Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. The 2019 NHL entry draft is right around the corner, Kings fans. After that, we've got a week of development camp, the free agency negotiating window, and then, of course, the opening of the free agency signing period. We couldn't go into this big weekend without first touching base with the insider, and so John Rosen is here to talk to me about the draft and everything else looming for the Kings during the summer. Don't forget, on Saturday morning at 11 a.m., we will be going live on the LA Kings Audio Network to recap the first few rounds, talk to some draft picks and members of the organization, and of course, to take your calls about the draft and the rest of the summer. That's 11 a.m. on the LA Kings Audio Network, available through the iHeartRadio app. Until then, here's Johnny. Joining me now, the LA Kings insider, John Rosen. How are you doing today, John? I'm great, Jesse. Thank you. Um, you know, you just brought up a good point. We were trying to think of, you know, how our how our lead into this uh, this podcast would go. How are you doing this morning? You brought up uh, 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 Corey Perry, uh, who was going to be bought out by the uh, Anaheim Ducks. Very difficult move for Bob Murray. And we, we just wrote about it recently when I was writing about the 2014 Cup. Um, I, I want to get to Corey Perry, the positives in a moment. But that was the most Corey Perry moment. Um, among many Corey Perry moments in the rivalry, uh, when playing with a broken stick, um, you know, the, the kind of shrug to the referee to draw the penalty shot in game seven, uh, <laughs> in 2014 was the most Corey Perry moment. That was like, I'm, it's like the chef's kiss mwah, of, uh, of, of beautiful kind of gamesmanship. Um, that's maybe a little bit, uh, uh, uh you know, below what's cool and uh, acceptable in the NHL, but uh, as a tremendous goal scorer, former Hart Trophy winner, and uh, certainly somebody that uh, made the uh, Kings and Ducks freeway faceoff rivalry uh, as good as it has been, as good as it was. And, and even when the teams are struggling, still uh, the heated, emotional, uh, very physical uh, rivalry between the Kings and Ducks. Um, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer in that rivalry. So um, a, a tip of the cap to what looks to be uh, the end of the road for a long, like an, an epoch of, uh, of King's animosity in history. So uh, a, a very, very good hockey player and friends with a number of players on the LA Kings at Drew Doughty's wedding, good friends with Jeff Carter, uh, the London, Ontario connection. So uh, uh, tip, tip of the cap to Corey Perry. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on record as saying I love a good villain and I think sports <laughs> are, are enhanced by villainy. <laughs> Uh, as long as it's not, as long as it doesn't rise to the level of, you know, like actually hurting somebody. You know, uh, it's different. <laughs> like, like I, I look at San Jose and there is an appreciation of the way that they have, like the way that Doug Wilson has built a team and the way they've maintained it for so long. And I think we're kind of like in that post sharks, King sharks rivalry. The games are obviously always heated. You go up to the games too in San Jose. Those are fantastic at Los Angeles as well. Um, but it doesn't, I think have that same kind of, 
bite as as King's Ducks rivalry still has right now. Maybe five years ago, even after 14, uh, King's Sharks probably still would have been that heaviest, you know, angriest rivalry. But, um, you know, I think I think, uh, 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 you know, the the. the it's a little bit of a of a different type of kind of the villainry appreciation. Um, Joe Thornton is, and, and the stories that I've heard of Joe Thornton, I have a great appreciation. Obviously, everyone should for the way that he plays and has conducted himself as a National Hockey League. I I love. We are better hockey fans from having watched Joe Thornton play. Um, you know, it's it's with the Anaheim Ducks, it's a little bit more personal still, probably so. I don't know if I'm articulating this well. I want you to weigh in here. Well, I think the I think the Sharks may be the Kings' chief rival, but I think that the Ducks, at least the fan base, I don't want to. The obviously players change and front office dynamics shift, et cetera. And as you mentioned, Perry is we know they're friends. He's friends with Carter and, and Dowdy. But I think <clears throat> that familiarity helped moments like when he squirts water into the Jeff Carter's glove as it's sitting on the bench, you know, and, and the fans see that and we all lose our minds. But of course to them, it's probably just a, you know, a, a silly thing amongst friends. But I, like I said, I feel like the sharks are the King's rivals, but the ducks are the shark are the King's sibling. You know, we, yeah. we play what 40 minutes away, you, you know, no traffic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. and and so I know tons of people who have rooted for both teams in their lives. If you go to an Ontario Rain game, you will see fans of both NHL teams all rooting for the Rain. And so the the rivalry exists on this level of familiarity that doesn't exist in other places. You know, obviously LA has a has a odd relationship with Orange County, but it's nowhere near the decades long rivalry of Southern California to Northern California that spans right. Every sport. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, that's what made some of the, uh, you know, uh, cheering preferences in the NBA and NH NHL playoffs this year. Interesting. I mean, there was a <laughs> Boston team, there's a Boston team, there's uh, a Bay area team, you know, obviously in the golden state warriors going up against a Toronto team and whatever Toronto team is in, uh, the playoffs in any sport, hockey or beyond, the entirety of all everybody on Twitter, it seems, is is backing the you know the Toronto Raptors, the Toronto Blue Jays, um, and you know to the point where you're almost thinking like you know go Bay Area sports team. I'm <laughs> tired of all this ra pro Raptors bent on my time. <laughs> Maybe I spent too much time. Well, I got that. bad news for you, buddy. I was born in Toronto. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What, another wonderful city, Vancouver, home of the NHL draft this week. You mentioned Vancouver, obviously a huge week. It is the NHL entry draft. So, uh, the Kings have 10 picks. It doesn't, it doesn't grab my fancy, but there's been tons of speculation about who, who the Kings are going to pick. You know, will they trade? Will they go for a defenseman? Will they go for a center? I imagine you have been swamped with questions, um, and curious, curious fans. So where do we start this massive conversation, John? Probably, I mean, just, 60% chance it's going to be Kirby Doc 65, I would say, 70, somewhere around there. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't buy, and I'm not buying uh, any of the hype that Bowen Byram could fall to number five. Everything that I've heard over the last uh, two months is that, you know, I, if he gets past three, he'll go at number four. Um, but you never know. There is the value of a true number one center, uh, Alex Turcotte, uh, is that seeming consensus number one center beyond, uh, you know, you, you can get past the, you know, the Jack Hughes, uh, you know, in, in that part of the draft. But um, 
this is a Kings team that it's going to come down to if it's not Byram or Turcotte following. It's almost certainly Doc. And then uh, after that, uh, Dylan Cousins, maybe Trevor Zegris, maybe. I don't believe uh, they are as as up on Cole Caulfield. I mean, they love Cole Caulfield, um, but probably not at number five. Uh, you know, when you have a potential to take a, you know, a potential frontline center uh, or the best defenseman in the draft. So, um, you know, what we were hearing still from the Western Hockey League, uh, you know, I, I spoke um, yesterday with Peter Anholt, uh, the general manager of the Lethbridge Hurricanes. He doesn't think he's he's getting to number five and, and also had some very interesting things to say about Dylan Cousins, who also is a possibility with that pick as well, um, uh, uh, calling him Jeff Carter, like a player that that is like a Jeff Carter uh, that skates, that shoots, um, that has that big body, that frame has a good, you know, responsible defensive wherewithal. Um, but still it looks like this is going to be a, a Kirby doc, uh, to LA. Um, you know, again, we can't deal in absolutes here. Uh, you know, I, you know, I don't think anybody expected a Thomas Hickey, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at, back several years ago. So at this point, I would probably just place a probability, yeah, between sixty and seventy percent from my readings. Um, and uh, you know, if it's if it is a Byram, you know, you should be doing backflips because that would be uh, for as disappointing as missing out on one or two. Uh, that would be a tremendous get at number three. Um, you know, it would be like similar to Colorado several years ago and being able to get you know a, a Kale McCarr at uh, I believe what was number five too. So when I was a kid. I collected hockey cards, as many kids did. And as I got older, hockey cards became, I, you know, too burdensome. I don't know. But but the Xbox came to replace for me what the hockey cards did, right? There, there was – hockey cards to me were a way to stay familiar with players that I ordinarily wouldn't necessarily hear about, you know, reading game recaps or checking the scores in the LA Times, whatever it was. Um, so I know from Kirby Doc only from my Xbox. <laughs> Um, I know he's six foot four. I know he's huge for his age. Um, I've spoken to people about cousins. I've heard the Jeff Carter comparisons. What, what do we know about Kirby Doc? What is what does he what does he project to turn in? I mean, obviously, you never know with an eighteen year old. But what are people thinking his ceiling is? Yeah, well, just to go back to, I'm correcting myself. I, Kale McCarr, uh, fourth overall pick, okay. uh, by uh, several years ago. Um, but uh, Kirby Doc, it's it's just the, that. The understanding of his IQ of the game, how that is expected to kind of spread into other parts of his game um, and and be somebody that 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 should be able to put his skill set, which is a high degree of skill, a good, not great skater, uh, but put a very high degree of skill in playmaking uh, to use uh, in many assets of the game, both in his own zone uh, and uh, in the offensive zone. Um, He is somebody that did not have statistically a fantastic season, um, which is something that when you are drafting at number five, there is not going, there might be a flaw in some of these players where there are, there is going to be a question. It's not a Jack Hughes. It's not a Capo Caco where, you know, this is somebody that can't miss. You know, you you do have some questions there, Um, but still there is an extremely high degree of skill and playmaking. Uh, It it aligns more towards the playmaking probably though. He still has a very good shot. Um, he has one of the best approaches, I, you know, when you get towards the intangibles, um, somebody that does not cut corners, holds himself accountable. Um, he's very well prepared and is somebody that you don't see very often, you know, as a 17 year old wearing a letter um, for the Saskatoon Blades. So um, when I was watching him, 
the first thing that I saw was was probably the skill, the hands, the playmaking, um, the ability to to really uh, pull strings from the half wall and be somebody that would probably be you know a good you know Kopitar type player on the power play, um, but still um, you know somebody that projects. As a first-line center, the comparisons have been Ryan Getzlaff. I mean, that's a best-case scenario. I mean, we, you, you know, you can talk about Ryan sure. Getzlaff as the famer, so you, know, you, you can't predict <laughs> famers at this age. Um, but uh, at this point, just somebody that was seen, it was a very high Bantam draft pick um, and has largely, along with guys like Peyton Krebs uh, and Bowen Byram, other high by, uh, Bantam draft picks. Actually, Cousins was was drafted at the end of the first round, but uh, uh, in 16, uh, I believe it was Krebs, Doc, and Byram going one, two, three. I'm not sure if that order is correct, um, but largely lived up to it. Um, perhaps a lull a little bit in his play this year, in which he wasn't producing. And again, that's something that is taken into consideration. But I think when when the Kings look at it, um, and all teams are scouting him. They see somebody as, who projects as a point producer uh, down the middle of the ice, and that's a very important position that y- you need to fill. Uh, and the Kings have some guys there that you're not sure if they're going to be center, if they're going to be wing. Uh, Kapari can play both. Velarde can play both. Anderson Dolan can play both. Akil Thomas can play both. Um, but this is somebody that would project as, as a number one first-line center. There are a lot of phrases that tend to get repeated both within the Kings organization and in the hockey world writ large. One of the ones I've noticed uh, picking up steam is that the Kings won't take anybody whose skating doesn't meet a certain criteria. And yeah, like they're one putting five, a premium on them. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's that's it's it's a it's hard to say that right now. I mean, when, when they're looking at like NCAA free agents, that is that's something that is very very important. Um, when they are looking at players, maybe perhaps they're past their first round pick. Cause at the first, if you're drafting fifth overall, you got to get the best player available. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, I wouldn't someone like Gabe Velarde. I wouldn't grade right now at, at that threshold of skating that the Kings would be looking for. They're going to try and make him, you know, as powerful of kind of an awkward skater as they possibly can. Um, but it's, again, that's something that shouldn't be something that folds back in this game. And I'm digressing him here too much anyway. But yes, that is true. Um, that's something that on a one to five scale, they're looking at guys who are a four uh, uh, grading in terms of their, their skating, their mobility. But again, you know, and I, I shared this in the piece that I just recently wrote. They're also looking right now at competitiveness battle element. It's not just going to be a team that's going to be going out there and, um, you know, skill, 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 you know, skating against, you know, finding the, obviously you want to have that skill. You want to find that open space, but they have to be able to have that battle element that compete. Um, and as we talked about, um, you know, just recently with doc, you know, that real kind of constitution to be able to want to dig in, uh, and have that character to, to win battles, push through that adversity. I mean, it probably sounds like something that's generic and that all teams are looking for, but I just want to make sure that that people understand it. Like the Kings really underwent a shift kind of in what they're looking to do and draft. They went past, you know, the, the bigger, heavier, the Matt Schmaltz type, uh, you know, draft pick. And now it's players that maybe they wouldn't have drafted before. Someone like, uh, you know, a Jared Anderson Dolan would probably not have, or a Nikhil Thomas maybe not have been as high up on the list as they had before. The philosophy right now is to incorporate that speed and skill. They want to go out there down the line when they are at the peak of their contention, outscoring teams, offensively minded. Um, but with that being said, they still retain that same kind of, they want that lunch pail grit, mucking it up, winning battles along the boards. And they think that's, that's, that's something that 
will have to be a, a, a kind of a combination, a, a hybrid type of player that I think is is ideally you know, the type of player that they're looking for. Well, this is what I find so fascinating about the sort of <clears throat> rush of uh, commentary from front office people, from media people, from fans. Everybody seems to to need to nail that comment of faster, more skilled, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, it's, it, more and more, it's becoming coupled with you know, but <laughs> you also need to, you know, win puck battles and win board battles and go to the dirty areas on the ice. And it's one of those things where I feel like even the even the quote unquote big bad Kings teams that won the cup in 2012 and 2014, each of those rosters had its share of guys that wouldn't necessarily fit meet the, the criteria of six foot four. Yeah, you know. you're absolutely right. And you're heading down. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I, it's sort of like, you know, Dean Lombardi used to lay out these spreadsheets and talk about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I would always look at it and sort of shrug and go like, okay, so what you're saying is you want to get a bunch of really good players who, who play really good. <laughs> okay. It's pretty complicated, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, but you're, you're absolutely right, Jesse. And I think when you look at the 2012 team, uh, especially, I think that was probably a bigger influence on a number of other teams. Right. I spoke about Mark United with Mark United about this a little bit earlier in the summer, where it's about if you don't have that puck, go get that puck back, turn it around in the other direction. Vegas did such a good job of that in their first season. Like it was fascinating to watch um, the way that when they lost that puck, they were right there on you. They're back checking. Mm-hmm just phenomenal it was like watching you know the kings in 12 and some of those blackhawks teams as well the way that guys like marion hosa patrick kane would immediately you know even down to the marcus krugers of their team immediately um get that puck back um so that's something that's very important i mean that's essentially i think the way a lot of teams want to play right now and that's the way you find success and you look at the last two stanley cup winners um i mean St. Louis, for as much as they have trended and, and added some skill and, and, and a little bit better goal-scoring ability, they're still one of the league's heavier teams. We saw that in the Stanley Cup final and throughout the playoffs here. And Washington Capitals have you know, long been one of the heavier teams out east. They won the year before. So um, there is that perhaps that hybrid element, and perhaps it is, again, that, that just that need to go and win pucks back, get that back. And I think that's something that the Kings uh, are, are looking for uh, in addition to that speed and skill. We spoke to Mark Unetti uh, immediately following the draft lottery, and the question came up as it it frequently does, and it's one of those questions that I feel like just has to be asked, just mainly so you feel the comfort of hearing the answer, and that is, do you draft for need or do you draft for best player available? You've already said at the number five spot you have to take the the best yeah. player available. They don't generally change up their their you know their, their philosophy by pick. Basically, what you have is a, an organizational philosophy. And you build your list off of kind of what your philosophy is. So um, like in 2017, Blake's first draft, that that list probably may have evolved and that may have changed because there is, you know, a little bit more of a bent towards the type of player that they're looking for. And this is a team that needs to incorporate skill uh, into their lineup as soon as as quickly as they can. There's a skill deficiency as there has been for the better part of probably the last decade, um, you know, beyond the, beyond the team's essentially superstars. Um, so. Um, your, your, your list 
you know, it's shaped that way. It's not necessarily based on need and needs, you know, three, four years down the line. You're not quite sure what it is. You just know the type of way that you want to play, the philosophies you have. It's much more intricate and detailed than kind of like the opaque way, whatever I'm saying right now. But but that's how the list is built. It's built more off of an organizational uh, philosophy. I'm always sort of stunned when I hear people talk about, you know, it's a different conversation, obviously, when you're talking about the fifth overall pick. But when we're looking at the 20... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Is it the 22nd pick or the 33rd pick or, or, or what have you? You know, once we start getting into the, the deeper rounds, we're talking about prospects that may not have a legitimate shot at breaking the roster for two, three, potentially four years. And that's a four years that has a collective bargaining uh, renegotiation, an expansion draft, uh, big, huge contracts that potentially come off the books for the Kings. I mean, for the, the next four years could be com- like, could just completely reshape the franchise and the league. So why are we worried about, you know, left wing scoring depth in the, you know, quote unquote in the system, right? Like, Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's that's an that's an interesting question. And, and you have to be able to kind of predict futures of, of where the game is trending, where the game is headed. Like, um, you know, you would look at, at the way the game is headed right now. And it is a faster game when you talk to the players and you talk to the coaches. There are smaller, faster, often younger players. Um, it's not as much of a, you know, the 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 we, we've been over this 18,000 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what what is the best type of defenseman to counter a like potentially smaller, potentially more skilled on average, um, potentially faster uh, NHL skater? You're going to need faster defensemen. You're going to need defensemen with good sticks. You're going to need defensemen that that have good range and mobility and and are able to cover all three zones very quickly. So, you know, it's, it, it changes and you have to kind of, I guess, sense those where those uh, where that evolution will be down the line. Um, so it's, it, it's an interesting conversation. It's one that I, you know, I think that, you know, when, when you get, uh, deep into season and, and, you know, you're sitting next to Rob Volman at the, uh, LA Kings, you know, table, um, you know, at Staples center, uh, these are the interesting types of, of conversations that are brought up and, and, and where the game is headed, the types of players, um, you know, that will be, um, you know, more, more desirable now, more desirable five years from now. So it's, it is hard. You do have to have models that predict what's happening down the line. I was speaking to a, a personal skills coach and he was saying, and I, I've referenced this before and I apologize to those who are tired of hearing me talk about it, but he was saying that even goalies physically, he expects the, the typical goalie in the league to change as, as individual shooting skills evolve and become more narrowly focused on controlling the different halves of your body to, you know, to hide where the shot is coming from, controlling eye movement to throw off your opponent. The goalies will begin to get shorter and smaller so that they can react faster. Positioning will begin to mean less, you know, reflexes will, will take a premium and that there will, and he didn't necessarily go on, but he said there will be a natural evolution 
in response to that, because once goalies start getting smaller, then, you know, then the players will react to that. And so, I mean, and these things happen unintentionally. You don't even necessarily see where the next change is coming if you're not really, really deep in the weeds on it. So I'm always fascinated by people who seem to know that this player should be taken in the fourth round instead of that player. You know, it's, it's <laughs> when some of them are 17. <laughs> what you brought up would be a great, great, you know, pitch for a story with Bill Ranford at some point in the near mm-hmm. future. Be really interesting. I, I remember back at the very beginning, you know, in, in training camp in 2013, Ben Scrivens came and he his glove hand, he had it faced towards the ice. And I believe he also had this while he was with the, you know, the Toronto Marlies and, and Maple Leafs as well, um, that, you know, it wasn't your typical, you know, glove, you know, the, the webbing of the glove facing the shooter, but it was like at a 45 degree angle facing the ice. And his uh, reasoning was that the shots are coming from the ice, so you want your glove facing. That the makes ice. perfect sense. <laughs> but by opening night, and by the time that he was, uh, uh, you know, subbing in and, and providing very good minutes for Jonathan Quick, his his glove was facing the shooter again. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I mean, that is that is. I mean, it's funny. I'd never even thought of that. But I suppose if you're depending on what league you play in, you would learn where most of the shots come from, and and it. I mean, if they're coming from further out, I suppose you want your webbing out. But if they're coming from directly in front of the net, yeah, they're coming from the ice. That's a good. That's a crazy point. So obviously, the Kings will be bringing in potentially ten new players via the draft, but they also have to bring back players who our uh, Kings fans are already familiar with. Um, Iafalo and Kempe, I expect, will be resigned. Re- sorry, resigned. Yeah, it sounds like everything, you know, the, you know, what we had been hearing during the year about those two players was it was going to happen around the RFA time. I'll check in again with those two players in the draft because that could be happening fairly soon as well. But, um, I don't foresee nothing that I have heard to this point, you know, is, is, would lead me to believe there's any sort of any headache there. But, um, that's also, you know, uh, among the questions that I have coming up, uh, for this, uh, this weekend in Vancouver. Um, it looks like uh, the team the team wants to be able to re-sign uh, Brendan Leipzig. He's an RFA. He was the most kind of closest to 50-50. Would they qualify him? Would they not qualify him? But it sounds like they've started uh, talking to him. That process has begun. Uh, Jeff Solomon has been speaking with his agent. They've been communicating recently with a lot of RFAs, and that is, you know, you know, amidst this time of the year, um, you know, one of their focuses right now. Um, but uh, – if there is interest on Leipzig to come back to LA and if he doesn't think that he could get a, a larger contract somebody somewhere else, I would imagine that would probably happen. And, you know, those types of, uh, of, of, of uh, positions are valuable. Perhaps there is also, and I'm speculating on this. I haven't spoken with Brendan about it. He said that he wanted to come back to LA. He gave us that indication uh, back at the end of the season. Um, but you know, there is a question about a role. He would have to earn a spot on this team because this is a Kings team that, um, wants to go out, you know, again, get younger. Rob Blake said there are potentially eight to 10 players that are going to be playing, you know, basically going to be rookies playing at some point on this Kings team, whether, you know, on October 1st or, you know, April 1st. Um, so, there is that possibility, you know, if he doesn't make a team, you know, clearing waivers, would you, you know, the Ontario aspect of it is also, you know, probably a consideration for the player as well. So um, it just sounds like that they, the team wants him to come back, which I like because I thought there was uh, some good, uh, good hustle and jam in his game. He's got some good hands behind the net. Uh, and, uh, you know, as, as uh, uh, you know, somebody that seems to slot pretty well, uh, you know, in a league again, that has a little bit more skill, uh, and a little bit more speed as somebody that could play a, you know, a, a grittier depth role and, and succeed in that type of a role. 
do you anticipate guys like Blake Lazat, Matt Roy, some of the other players that have, you know, that we saw get action last season? Are they, are those serious competitions or are we going to see Blake Lazat in an Ontario Rangers? Blake Lazat is going to be one of those guys that is absolutely that we're all looking at that could potentially play on this team as a rookie, one of those eight to 10 this year. Um, you know, they, they're, they're happy with where he, he came in and played his one game. Um, spoke just briefly about him with, uh, you know, with, with Rob Blake, but, um, you know, the Lazat question, when, you know, when I asked about him was kind of a springboard into the conversation, just as how they saw the roster near the end of the year, uh, this past year and how the roster going into this coming season is going to be similar to what you saw at the end of the year. Um, Lazat's going to be a guy that's going to have a chance to make the team, but probability would, would likely say that he's going to have to go back to, uh, Ontario and, and also get repetitions there, which is great. Um, but you, you know, Matt Roy, Sean Walker seem to be penciled in pretty heavily, uh, onto this back end. They want to see those guys with wider opportunities. Um, so there is going to be an opportunity for a Kale Clay to earn a spot on the team, though still probably at this point likely to, uh, head back to, uh, Ontario perhaps to start the season, but he's going to have every opportunity will be one of those players to watch very closely at training camp. Um, you know, he would have gotten into a game at the end of the season had he not broken his foot blocking a shot. And even though, you know, there was some adjustment to the pro game, uh, in terms of, you know, the speed and power that he had to contend with, you know, with professionals in his first year pro, um, every really virtually every, report that I was hearing on Clay last year was, I don't want to say superfluously positive, but was <laughs> positive. Um, and people have to also understand that as a 20 year old, if you're coming into the AHL and as a 20, where you could potentially also go back to theoretically go back to junior hockey and you're a defenseman, you're putting up better than half a point a game. That's pretty good. Uh, keep in mind, he was somebody that was bumped up a rung defensively last year because, you know, Walker and Roy were expected to be guys who were going to uh, incubate in the minors a little bit longer. And so he, you know, jumped up. Um, he's capable of playing both left and right side. Um, and, and he showed uh, a really good all around skill set. And, and the team, you know, even without solicitation, when I've been talking to some people recently, they've been bringing up his game. So I, I think he's going to be a, a really interesting guy to watch. And uh, also brought up unsolicited was, um, Curtis McDermott, because this was a player that, you know, there were limitations in his game. When we saw him in the 17-18 season, he went back down to Ontario after his, you know, end, end of that spell with the Kings. And then this past year, when he was called back up, you could see some developments in his game. He was better. This is not somebody that I think they're relying on or looking for for, for any sort of, you know, large minutes uh, or anything like that. But again, he's going to factor into that conversation could potentially be that seventh defenseman on the team this coming year. And, 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 you know, he, he developed and he, he showed a little bit when he came up this past year. So the Kings really only have three vets on defense. We know the blue line is going to be that move towards younger, you know, and a, and a higher skill set. Um, but Blake made a comment that stood out to me, um, about improving internally. And I've said, you know, that I expect most of the vets on this team, if for no other reason than, you know, personal pride, to, to bounce back and have better seasons than they did last year. Um, any thoughts on on what the roster will look like as far as internal improvements? Yeah, part of that is driven by the trade market. Part of that is also driven by um, the team would desire to have the types of leadership players around Todd McClellan players that he is familiar with, most familiar with, um, even at the outset of this quote unquote plan in which they want to get younger. Um, they want to 
uh, move some of their heavier, less productive contracts, and they want to add that that skill and speed, of course, laced with competitiveness. Um, so, in terms of that, you know, that when we heard what the plan is, and we hear that they wanted to move some contracts, you know, there are obvious names that come up that 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 are difficult contracts to have right now. Ilya Kovalchuk, um, Jeff Carter, Jonathan Quick, but. Again, it's based on what the market is, what the return will be, you know, salary retention. And it just doesn't make sense at this point. But again, that's not the only thing from from what I was hearing from the front office. And they also want to have those types of players and leadership positions and those that, um, you know, have been kind of those familiar stalwart players uh, there alongside Todd McClellan as as you transfer and, and rebuild this structure uh, and again this culture of this organization. Another thing that was that sort of snuck in there that stood out to me just because I really like this player um, it was conversation about a second line center and three players were mentioned as potentially filling that role: Carter, Kempe, and Amadio. I really like Amadio. I've seen the team sort of tease him at second line center. He played a few shifts last year in between Pearson and Toffoli. Um, but then I've seen other conversations that appear to sort of address Amadio as a prospect. Is he one foot in each camp or is he looked at as a vet who is most likely expected to have a role on this team? No, Amadio is is somebody that is still a young player. And when you talk about those players uh, in amongst that young group that they want to grow together, uh, he is absolutely part of that. He is younger than um Sean Walker and, and Matt Roy. Um, but again, he's somebody that would have to clear waivers if he wanted to go back to Ontario. So he's got to go and earn a spot on this team first. But um, Michael Amadio, I mean, when you look at that center, second line center spot, that has been one of the spots in the lineup that has been pinpointed by the team is one that they're eventually going to have to fill. They see a, you know, a hole in their lineup right there. And, you know, Jeff Carter had a rough season last year. The decision whether he's at center, whether he's at wing is going to be ultimately uh, really made and invested in by Todd McClellan. And that'll be, you know, one of the stories at training camp. Um, so they have a hole there right now. They want to fill that. And right now the options that they have you know, there's no, you know, second line Matthew Shane option for this LA Kings team. Second line Logan Couture. Um, you know, this is a team that um, has holes in its lineup, but uh, Adrian Kempe has uh, some defensive wherewithal and some defensive and responsible and hard nosed uh, real edgings to his game. But he's somebody that they want to see consistency out of, and and he had a rough season statistically before, uh, you know, he, he caught up back, you know, towards what he had done the previous year, you know, as the season progressed, but. It, it's 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 a hole that they have, and it's not one that appears one that they're going to fill via free agency, um, because again, this is a team that they're still probably envision they are envisioning themselves as about two years away from when they believe that they can be contenders again. And so the decision for Jeff Carter, whether he will be uh, moved to wing or whether he will stay at center, will be a story to watch at training camp, and that'll be ultimately you know invested in and, and decided by Todd McClellan. Uh, but they have seen that second line center is something that they do need to improve. And that was certainly an issue um, this past year. Uh, again, this is going to be another position where they're looking at internal options. Kempe uh, is somebody that they want to see a little bit more consistency from, probably a little bit more equipped to handle a third line center role. But again, this Kings team is not a contending team this year. This is a team um, that, you know, whether you want to call it the plan, 
you know, refreshing, recalibrating. You know, this team is rebuilding right now. There are going to be some real tough spots. This isn't a team that is, you know, one through four. It's not their center depth from 2012 or 14 when they had Mike Richards on the fourth line. So um, Nikolai Prokorkin will get a, a look at center, and he's another one of those players that can play both center and wing. Um, but with Michael Amadio, he's just got to improve his skating. You know, his his ability, his scent, hockey senses, his ability to get up and down um, the center of the ice with his teammates in unison uh, has been pretty good. He's he's just got to move his feet, and it's something that uh, he's he's really been working on. And you know, that that's a, another major summer focus for him. That that his real thrust will be uh, improving his his foot speed and his acceleration. Let's talk about Prokhorkin real quick. Last year, last summer. There was, especially heading into camp, there was talk of, oh my gosh, the third line's going to be Ayafalo, Kempe, and Velarde, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to offer all this stuff. And I was sort of saying, like, let's calm down about <laughs> expecting those three guys to light the league on fire. Now I'm seeing a lot of enthusiasm about Prokorkin. He's not that young, but he is apparently quite good. What do we, what do we, what's a realistic expectation for where he fits into this roster? realistic bottom six forward. Okay. Uh, you know, I think that he has enough from what I've seen both in the Olympics and from what I've been hearing, there is that jam and that heaviness in his game. And he's still a pretty good skater um, that he has the reputation of being a responsible player. So he's someone that um, ha- you'd be able to, to fit on your, you know, your, your, even as a, you know, first year NHL player into a bottom six spot and feel comfortable with him, you know, even on the road, taking those shifts against the other teams, you know, top six roles. Um, so I've heard a range of things, but I haven't heard anything bad about Prokork. And I've heard a, the, the vast, like, majority of what we've heard about him is, well, we'll see what happens when we get him. We don't know what we're going to have until he's, you know, back over here again. But I also heard one or two people say that he's a really, really good player. And again, I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse. I, at the Olympics, when, when we were calling the games, I was doing the games in Stanford, Connecticut, uh, off a monitor there. We were watching. I, Mike Johnson and I were watching these games. We liked him. Like, this is a player that was always around the net. He was kind of like someone that didn't have that Dwight King style of play, but was still always kind of hulking, using his force and kind of momentum to push players and, and channel the puck deeper along the boards. I thought he was somebody that really won a lot of puck battles and went to the net. So there are some good hard-nosed attributes in his game that should translate to that North American style. And again, they're going to look at him at center. They're going to look at him at wing. But he's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised to see him play with Ilya Kovalchuk this coming year. I think something that they're going to be looking for with Kovalchuk, assuming that he is on the roster, that there's no trade or move made, um, is finding players that are good fits to play with him. They have a history of having played together. I spoke a little bit about Kovalchuk, uh, with Kovalchuk about Brickork in this past year. And, uh, and another player that I really liked from that, from their national team, uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, who made his debut in the playoffs with Columbus this past year. And I think is going to be a really good defenseman. Um, you know, I, I think these are players with, with some skill sets that can trans, translate over. And there is a history of having played with Kovalchuk, even though when they were playing on that OAR team at the Olympics, they weren't uh, regularly on the same line. Prokorkin was a third-line player on that team. So um, there's a really interesting player. And again, that's that's another one of the question marks and, and, and stories that, that I think a lot of people are excited to to write during training camp. 
Well, I've said it before, but this is going to be a fascinating offseason. We've already got one move with the buyout of Dion Phaneuf. We've got the draft coming up this weekend, development camp following that, free agency, although, as you've said, we don't expect them to be terribly busy. A um, lot of questions are going to get answered. Uh, I'm excited, John. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Jesse, my pleasure, man. Always uh, always a lot of fun, and uh, sorry for rambling, and sorry for an edit or two that I may have uh, given you today. I just swear so much on this pod. <laughs> Jesse's had to like, make 13 cuts here just because I was getting really excited. We call you John Blue Rosen. <laughs> Jesse suggests all games will start at 7.30 this year. I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway. All right. Thanks very much, John. And uh, obviously, Kings fans, do check out the Kings Insider for uh, for all the updates and inside news coming out of the Kings. John, enjoy Vancouver. My pleasure. Looking forward to chatting with you soon, Jesse. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.